0: The Christian Institute does a lot of work in a lot of areas, from marriage and the family to medical ethics, and from religious liberty and free speech to education. But first and foremost, we're Christians and seeking to live out our faith in society. Across the staff and trustees, we represent a wide range of churches, but we're all driven by our love of God and reverence for his word. We believe in the dignity of work, that people are called to serve God in whatever role they're in, whether that be working in an office, at home, on a building site, on the shop floor, on a hospital ward, wherever. The dignity of work is not limited to Christian ministry. But different forms of church work are certainly something that many Christians are drawn to. And I'm delighted that I have with me today Rupert Bentley Taylor to talk about one of them, the joy of preaching. Rupert is one of the Institute's trustees and he served as a pastor for many years. Rupert, thank you for joining me. Thank you to have me. Uh, Before we get into what you love about preaching God's word, I've heard a little of your testimony before. I thought it might be nice to go back to the beginning
1: and for people to simply hear how you came to Christ. Okay, Um, my parents were missionaries in the Far East, which is where I was the first eight years of my life. And I actually responded to the gospel when I was a child. Um, you, You can't always know what's going on in a child's heart, Uh, that is really significant, Um, but I believe God's truth is accessible to children, and I certainly was taught it from childhood, and there was a particular occasion where I heard it preached, um, and it was actually preached in Indonesian, which at that time I I was familiar with as a child, being brought up in that country, and I heard a very simple message put across in language I could understand, Um, and I responded to that message. And I look back at that now and think, yes, God brought his truth, the fundamentals of the gospel, you know, don't require a year of theology, it it just requires a heart that is open to God and God's work in your heart, and that's, I think, what happened.
0: And of course, I mean, finding salvation in Christ, that, that essence, that's the starting point, isn't it, Mm. for this ongoing journey of sanctification, Mm. That we have as Christians, is the Lord makes us more like the Lord Jesus. So, how did God, after that point, how did God work in your life? What, uh, and at what point did He plant that seed that drew you into preaching?
1: Hmm. I mean, God's very patient. I, I, I don't think I was, I was such a promising, uh, you know. Uh, prospect. But, but God perseveres with, with real people who are very often very unpromising. You look in the Bible, you look at somebody like Jacob and you would think, wow, you know, this is a pretty you know, devious character. And yet, wow, what, what God made that man. Um, so God was very patient with me, very gracious through all sorts of circumstances. Um, I didn't set out. You know, I didn't have some early sense, oh, I'm going to be a preacher. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what I was going to do. But I did hear some very fine preaching through the years. And as a student, I went to a church in Southampton where a man called Leith Samuel uh, preached. And he preached in a way that I think I was deeply affected by in the sense that it, it, I just saw his confidence in God's word. I saw his persistence in preaching it and his joy in preaching it, and his confidence that this was relevant to everybody in the room. Um, and I think I had, I, I guess I'd learned a lot of those things already, but it sort of came together in one setting. And, and thereafter, I was a teacher for six years, but I did believe that um, bit by bit, God was leading me into some sort of exercise of, of full-time Christian work, uh, and that eventually happened.
0: And in the introduction, uh, I mentioned that church work is one vocation of many that Christians are called to, but preaching in particular, perhaps, does come with very serious responsibilities which shouldn't be taken lightly. And 1 Timothy 3 says, a pastor or elder must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, Mm -hmm. not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, must manage his family, must not be a recent convert. It's a long list that goes on. Mm -hmm. And it also also says in James chapter 3 that not many should become teachers Mm -hmm. because those who teach Mm -hmm. will be judged more harshly. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you, do these responsibilities, that list, if you like, do they weigh on you when you're preparing and delivering a sermon?
1: Well I think if you have a high view of the Bible, I mean Jesus said man doesn't live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you believe that the Bible is God's given word, the preaching of that word is a, is a weighty responsibility because you're not dealing with your own truth but you're dealing with, with God's word and God's truth. Uh, and Paul is very uh, explicit, uh, you know, he says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. So we won't handle the word of truth without hard work. The image of the workman is not somebody in you know, a endlessly on his lunch break, but somebody beavering away. Uh, and to preach God's word, you know, you are ultimately, who are you preaching for? You're, you're, you are ultimately preaching for God you're in some way you're representing him uh, and that's a, that's a weighty responsibility so preaching is on the one hand uh, a tremendous responsibility um, Spurgeon talked about the crushing load of being responsible for teaching mm. week in mm. week out um, and yet at the same time uh, you know w- what an extraordinary privilege it's something Amazing that God stoops to use ordinary human voices to be channels of his truth. And this word that he's given is, is actually, it may be coming through my lips, but it's, it, there is a power of the Holy Spirit that has inspired it, but more than that, that brings it to life in people's lives. So, um, one of the key things I think to understand as a preacher is that when you have a high view of the Bible, and you have a high view of preaching, you're released from being a magician. You know, you you Mm -hmm. sort of, some people you think, wow, amazing, how exciting, how did they, where did that come from? Well, you don't need to know, he's just so clever, he does it for you. But that's not what preaching is, that's Mm -hmm. not about being a magician. You start simply by trusting that God knew what he was doing when he was giving you that passage. And when you first look at a passage, you may not at all understand what it's there for. And when you immerse yourself, you say, we've got to preach by faith, which is to say, if I don't preach by faith, I'll just preach the bits I like. So you'll dart yeah. all over the place. And, yeah. uh, and you'll miss out the whole counsel of God, which mm. is what Paul said he preached. But when you come to a passage on a regular basis in your, and with a humble heart, saying, Lord, please show me what this is about, your first task is just to observe. It's to take very seriously what's there. And as you do that, you begin to discover why God put that in the scriptures. So you preach by faith. And at the end, you say, and I say it again and again, wow, how amazing, this is so relevant. But I wouldn't have thought, I didn't immediately, you know, I wasn't immediately aware how relevant until I did that hard work. Um, But it's a great joy, it's a great liberation. You know, my job is to, to so preach that it's like when Paul preached in Berea. They all scurried home and got open their Bibles to check whether what he said was what the Scriptures said. And that's how preaching ought to be. It ought to be so I can look at it and think, wow, I hadn't hadn't realised that was there, but it is there. He's not making it up. He's not the conjurer producing a you know, rabbit out of the hat. He's just exposing me to what God has already said. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I, I remember... Um I think it was
0: from Nehemiah. It's going back quite a few years, and the passage was more or less a list of names. Mm. And I remember thinking, "What on earth am I going to do Mm. with this? How do you preach on this?" And I started to look into the names, and was there any significance in this? Um, And uh, found just incredible truth Mm. from the. the, uh, the significance of the names that were listed uh, among God's people in that time, I think Mm. it's, uh, and that taught me a valuable lesson in the sense of you Mm. cannot, you cannot discard any single verse of scripture. Mm. There's no, there's Mm. nothing which is boring Mm. if you choose to delve into it. But uh, I mean, I think it's fair to say that um, good, faithful, well delivered Bible teaching, that's almost universally appreciated by Christians Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's always nice uh, when someone expresses gratitude but do you think there can be a danger that some people can be drawn to preaching for the recognition that they Mm -hmm. get or or do you think um, we can elevate preaching to the point where it's
1: seen as the only worthwhile vocation? Yes, um, Satan is, uh, there's nothing he wants to do more than to frustrate and to diminish the preaching of God's word. And uh, one of his weapons, without doubt, is to make the preacher feel he's really the center of the stage. Um, and, you know, after all, you're up the front, you've got the microphone, everyone's sitting there listening to you. And Satan has ways of making us feel we are so important. And when that happens, I think, you know, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So if that's happening, God is not gonna bless what is then preached. Um, we need to be humbled servants, and we need to be humbled rather than exalted in our own thinking. Um, I, I, I'm very struck by a verse, Paul's when he says, I beat my body and make it my slave, lest after having preached to others, I am disqualified, I'm disqualified from, from the prize. Yeah. After, yeah. in other words, spiritually for the preacher before he preaches, he's very aware how much he needs God. Again, how much he needs to understand the word and how much I need God's help in delivering it. And the spiritual defences, I think, are often less, the need of them is less, ever, When I've done it, after I've done it. And, and that's when Paul says, after I preach to others, I need, you know, Paul is on his knees dealing with his own heart, uh, seeking God to keep him faithful and humble. And I think that um, we need to be humble men who preach God's word. Otherwise, I think we will cease to preach God's word faithfully. Um, so that there's, uh, and I think if, if we begin to part, go down the path of being the great man who always has the, all the wise words, um, we will destroy our own ministries and God will, God will discipline us. Um, so I think it, we, we have to be aware of Satan's snares mm-hmm. And we've got to consciously ask God to protect us from, um, from the snare of getting in the way. Uh, you know, we can get in the way. Um, we need to be humble and self-aware and above all
0: God-aware. And do you think that, um, do you think another one of these snares is where faithful Christians with a high regard for the word and a high regard for preaching can somehow set the preacher mm. up on that pedestal, um, somehow remote or far off from, mm. from those hearing the word?
1: Yes, I, I think sometimes uh, people can unhelpfully uh, think of the preacher as such a tremendously important person Is I don't matter because I'm... Well, that's not how Jesus treated people or thought about people. Um, and it's really important that preachers are servant-hearted. Um, and and also, preaching is an exercise of God's word, but it's not the only exercise of God's word. By which I mean is that, you know, Jesus didn't just preach to huge numbers of people, you know, he had a conversation with Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. He talked to individuals. Paul talks about going house to house. Um, there are ministries of the word which are exercised, not in the man at the front, at the, at the pulpit, but sitting in the lounge, talking to somebody over a cup of coffee, um, uh, talking to the taxi driver, you know, there there are ministries of the word which are exercised in many other contexts. Now, I do think there's something precious about God's people gathered together around God's word. But all I'm saying is that is not the sum Mm -hmm. of what preaching, of of the ministry of God's word. Uh, we're, We're told to admonish one another. Uh, God's Word needs to be in our hearts so it comes out in our lips and our ordinary conversation. So we can be benefited and blessing, uh, be benefited and be a blessing uh, without any sort of great context in which to be. Um, And and so we need to have the ministry of God's Word running throughout our our lives and on our own knees by ourselves.
0: How long have you been preaching
1: now? Well, I was a pastor for 30 years, and I've gone on preaching um, for, was now, six or seven years since I am no longer a pastor of a church. But I began to do a little uh, when I was a teenager, really. Um, and, and I think gifts, it, 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 if God has given you such a gift, he will make it plain. But it does, it takes time. People's gifts aren't there to begin with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had some disasters. I remember, you know, I, I remember one of the first times I preached, I, I remember standing there thinking, I've actually, I, I've, actually only, I've only really got half this. And I, I did, so I did first and then I didn't know what to say about the next part of the passage because I'd never, re- hadn't really got it. Uh-huh. Um, and I needed, I, there was quite a lot I needed to learn about preaching. So you don't start as the uh, uh-huh. end, end article. And if God has given you gifts, You need others to assess that and weigh that. You don't just say, oh, I'd like to preach. Well, we need God to confirm that that's the right thing for you to be doing. And how would you
0: say God has developed you and your preaching over 30 30
1: plus years? Um, I I think that having opportunity to preach, you grow into it, Um, but also circumstances. God overrules the circumstances in which you're preaching and circumstances can batter and and break you almost. Mm. And those circumstances, the word of God you're teaching, in his providence sort of becomes the more extraordinary to you because you, it's so relevant to your own heart. And if you're just telling other people what they ought to know, and it's not speaking to your own heart, you've no business to be up the front. Um, so I think you learn through the experience of again and again taking God's word and, and I find, you know, I've been preaching for quite a long while but I haven't mastered preaching in the sense that I haven't got preaching in my back pocket. <laughs> um, and times, at times I sit there and I'm struggling and struggling and I find that um, I'm just reminded, I think God is reminding me, you haven't, you haven't got this sorted. You need to be freshly dependent on God every day but also, iron sharpens iron. And, you know, I've been to quite a number of conferences where ministers have got, well, things like proclamation trust, training conferences, <laughs> where, where you're sharpened up and people say, well, is that really what the text says? Uh, and, and you have the opportunity to, to um, listen to others responding to what you're saying. And I find, you know, my wife has said lots of helpful things and my children just getting... Just in the I learning through people's response as well. Nobody's the finished article.
0: Well, I, I mean, I've for myself. I've preached regularly, but occasionally, you know, not yeah. anything resembling every week. Um, pretty much since I came to faith about yeah. 20 odd years yeah. ago. And even now, I still have this deep sense of anxiety really um, uh, to be standing in the pulpit because I'm hugely aware of the privilege and also the responsibility uh, that I have every time I stand, stand up to, to
1: preach. Does that ever leave you? Well, I think if it left you, you'd be in trouble. Prob- right. <laughs> I think you, you ought to have some sense that every time this is, uh, this is something I need God's help for and I can't do this without his help. So that sense of dependence. You you need a sense of dependence and a sense of confidence. A sense of humility and a uh-huh. sense of the exalted nature of what you're handling. So, you know, in Romans fifteen it says everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, mm-hmm. so that through the endurance and encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Fascinating statement. Everything that was written in the past it doesn't say it was written to teach them. It says it was written to teach us. Yeah. So actually it is a word for today and the Bible does have this way of this sort of um, expressions of the fact that all of it, you know, in in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God, all of it and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction and training in righteousness and there I have, you know, something that doesn't look very promising in Mm -hmm. front of me and no, I, I, I lay hold of those promises and I Plead with God to help me, and I work at it as I work at it. And it's wonderful way. I, I just sometimes am awed. Uh, and I think if you're not awed by, not, uh, by the, 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 the amazing nature of God's word, it's something wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. wonderful. And when you hear somebody who's really preaching um, their hearts out and, and, and you, you, you sort of and you feel really spoken to. Uh, you know, it's not that they were so clever; but it's that God is honouring His word.
0: Well, we've named this podcast the Joy of Preaching, and and because, well, for anyone who's uh, seen or heard you preach, there is a very obvious joy uh, that we see um, whenever you preach. So, what is it? Maybe just expand on your previous answer. What is it about God's word that so stirs your heart? in the way that it so obviously does?
1: Well, I mean, you know, as I said, I quoted Jesus earlier that all, that man lives on every word that comes from the mouth of God, Um, that actually God's word is life. It's life-giving and life is a joyous thing. Now, sometimes, of course, that word humbles us and breaks us, but then it always leads us to the Lord and to joy and to confidence. So it it is at this one time solemn and it's also marvelous. And there's something just, there's something very lovely. And and if you're preaching with a dire gloominess, you know, there's something wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. There are passages you're preaching that are very sobering. But the truth that is very sobering that breaks us into little pieces is to lead us to the Lord whose arms are reached mm. out to us mm. in love and kindness. Uh, and it's all heading to joy. Uh, and, and God's word is the most joyful thing because it, it's where is hope found in this world? Millions of people without any hope in this world, you know, they, they invest their hope in their pensions or in their pleasures or in their world crews and you know, it all it runs through their fingers and they're left with nothing. But God's word gives us solid hope. Uh, and, and, uh, and that's wonderful. I, I took the funeral the other week of a 95 year old who was an extraordinary man. And he had this, this real enthusiasm, this zeal for the Lord right to the end. And this confidence and, and hope. So he wasn't despairing. In fact, he was really excited. He was excited about heaven. His wife said to me, he he had one foot on earth and one foot in heaven. (laughs) But that's because he believed what God said. Uh Uh, And when you believe what God says, despite all that buffets you and all that humbles you and all that breaks you into little pieces, as God needs to do regularly, actually it leads to joy.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, And so the fullness of joy is in God's presence and that's where it's all headed. There's gonna be people around the country, perhaps around the world,
0: who are preaching um, regularly, irregularly, or perhaps as people who are considering going into some form of ministry that is likely to require um, them to preach. What would you say are the most important things to consider when preparing and delivering a sermon?
1: Well, I think you need to start with your own need and you need to get your heart in the right place, which is humble and on the ground before God. So you start by saying, Lord, I, I'm i not going to be able to do this unless you help me. And then I take God's word seriously. And I just, I start to read it. I start to think it. I start to, you, you've got to kind of live in a passage. I find it really helpful. Sometimes you, you've been preparing and preparing. It. You know, I just stop. Um, I, you know, go for a walk or, uh, you know, I go to bed and wake up the next morning. And somehow... I found again and again, this is true, that your subconscious sort of works on what yes, you've been yes, thinking yes, yeah, yeah. And in the morning, yeah, extraordinary. Somehow what I was wrestling with last night suddenly much clearer. That's right. Yeah. And God is involved in this process. So you don't want to get too hung up about, you know, I need to take these 10 steps. Well, yes, you do need to pray, you need to pour over the word, but God's involved. And God will, will help you and God will make the word live. And, uh, and that's what's exciting because God's got his finger in this pie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not obvious. And, and, of course, you know, God can use people who are you know, not, not actually people who really are, um, are amazing preachers to actually deliver God's word. I mean, Spurgeon was converted on, on a Sunday morning when, because of the heavy snowstorm, he couldn't go where he wanted to. And he all yeah. this little chapel and he goes in. And the storm is, snowstorm is so heavy that the preacher doesn't turn up. So he said eventually this, 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 this man, this, you know, not in, he was a tinker, I think he said, but anyway, whoever he was, he was an ordinary. He wasn't prepared to be, he was a believer, but he had no training or academic achievement, you know, anything behind him. And he stood up and he, 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 he preached on turning from the ends of the earth, turning their eyes to God. And, and he ran out of things to say. And then he saw at the back this young man looking right. And he said, young man, you look very miserable. All you've got to do is to... Turn your eyes to the Lord. Fix your eyes on the Lord. And, you know, so it's a poor, as Spurgeon put it, a poor, uneducated man. But God's word went right to his heart. Uh So we don't hold this sort of thing, oh, I'm a great preacher. No, you're you're not a great preacher. You just want to be a faithful preacher. What God does with that is up to God. But God can use some really uh, some some people who who don't have the gifts as far as we're concerned, but God can still use his truth. I remember years ago as a teenager listening to a farmer, local farmer where I came from in Herefordshire, preaching. And he he was a very, uh, he was a lovely man, but he he wasn't a great preacher. He wasn't a word man, really, he was a farming man. But he loved the word. Mm. And he preached, um, and he preached on the passage says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And I, you know, I wasn't sure just how much sense he was making of it, but he kept saying that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. If he said it once, he said it 50 times. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. I was this teenager sitting there and you know I can tell you all these you know, 60, 50 years later I can that he wrote those words on my heart mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I remember telling one of his children years and years later that you know, his dad had preached this sermon and I Remember that God was, uh, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to him. He was absolutely astonished. He never thought of his father as a preacher. What, I, what I'm saying is there's something more going on. Yeah. That we can't put it in a box and say, well, there mm. it is. There's the great preacher. Here's yeah. the great preaching. Uh, God can choose. I mean, God used a donkey to speak to Balaam. Yeah. <laughs> so let's not set ourselves yeah. up too much. Uh, but I, just, I need to be humble and faithful, and God can use even me. Amen. Well, before I let you go... Are there any um
0: Bible verses that you regularly go back to when you're thinking about preaching, or or just when you're needing encouragement? Are there any I hate to call them go-to verses, but you know what I mean.
1: Well, some of the words I've verses I've already quoted. Romans 15, 4 uh, was not a verse I was, you know, particularly conscious of for years, but um I think in my 30s or so I became very aware of it. And It just came with special force to me. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us everything so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Mm. And, um, you know, when I'm struggling with a passage, I just, that verse comes to my mind, everything. (laughs) Everything. And um, that encourages me to persevere. Um, And God is wiser than me. You see, we... We can't get into the business of saying, well, you know, if I were God, I, you know, I wouldn't have said it like Not that. Sure, yeah. God has said it like that, and there's wisdom, and I need to discover the wisdom rather than stand there and say, well, you know, I'll go somewhere easier. All scriptures inspired by God, breathed out, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. I've got to take that seriously. So I've got to, te- I've got to be under God's word rather than over it. Well, that's a great place.
0: To finish, I think Rupert, I've learned so much, been greatly encouraged by spending these few minutes with you. Thank you so much uh, for speaking to us today, and thank you to everyone listening as well. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you.